0: the secret to making something the kids fall in love with and come back to is making it have a kind of social meaning a kind of social context where it's not just the way a social media site allows you to post something and get likes on it it's it's actually deeper than that for us it's we cultivate a community on scratch where kids know that it's safe and that they can trust other kids to be positive and supportive and to feed each other creative energy and ideas.
1: All right, welcome to Kids Lab, a podcast for parents, educators, and everybody interested in STEAM education. In this episode, we're talking to Eric Rosenbaum, mainly about Scratch, which is a block-based visual programming language, but there's so much he's involved with, for example, Maki Maki, Drawdio, or Singing Fingers. The first line of Eric's biography says it all. It reads, I design for creative play. This could not be more true. Just look at the array of creative educational projects he was and is currently involved with. Foremost, there's Scratch, a block-based visual programming language and online community targeted primarily at children. We have mentioned Scratch many times and finally we're talking with Eric, who is currently working with the Scratch team at MIT Media Lab. Another great educational toy that Eric was involved with is Maki. Maki. It's an electronic invention tool And toy that allows users to connect everyday objects to computer programs. Using a circuit board, alligator clips and USB cables, the toy uses closed-loop electrical signals to send the computer either a keyboard stroke or a mouse click signal. This simply means that you can hook up a banana to your computer, for example. Whenever you touch it, it sends a keystroke. And you can, for example, control a fun game with it. Crazy? Yep, but a great way to start learning about electricity, computers and electronics. Eric has also been involved in electronics projects such as Drawdio. The name combines drawing with audio and if you solder and build it with your kids you can have fun and learn about electronics in combination with sound at the same time. Or there is Singing Fingers, which is an iPad app that allows you to experiment with sound. We could continue listing projects for quite some time. So if you're interested, please check out this episode's blog post at kitslab.dev for the show notes, where I'm linking to his website, which is filled with other projects he's involved with. All right. Hi, Eric. It's great to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's, uh, it's great to be here with you. So Eric, it looks to me like you've devoted pretty much your entire life to creating fun and educational, sometimes also noisy projects. So what is motivating you each day to create such cool things?
0: I just, I love making stuff and I feel very lucky that I've been able to have a professional life where I get to um, invent and create things, especially for other people to play with. That's the thing that's so motivating for me is the chance to build stuff and put it out in the world um, and also especially to like make things that other people use to create stuff, sometimes things I didn't even imagine.
1: So there were a lot of emails going back and forth before this recording. And I think you mentioned that we could even do a little live demo. I think it was about singing fingers, right?
0: Absolutely. So yeah, I love making music and sound projects. I love making weird noises with technology. Um, And so a few years ago, uh, my friend Jay Silver and I, we came up with this idea of finger painting with sound. It became an iOS app that we call Singing Fingers. Basically, you can draw on the screen of your phone, but only if you're making a sound with your voice at the same time. So I'll do it right now. Singing fingers. So I, so I just drew this crazy spiraling line and it has different colors in it. And the colors depend on the pitch of the sound of my voice. But now I can touch my drawing Singing, singing. Whoa. and it will play back the sounds that I made, so I can record like little um beatbox sounds like and then I can just touch those <laughs> um and then I can make I can make music kind of by playing my drawing wow. Um It's really fun. And you what you're creating is both a drawing and a musical instrument at the same time.
1: So before we dive into Scratch, uh, you've created quite a few other projects. One of them is Makey Makey. So what is Makey Makey all about? Makey Makey is about
0: making anything into a key. It's this little circuit board that me and my friend Jay Silver created when we were both uh, graduate students at MIT Media Lab. And the idea is that you can ter- turn your whole world into a construction kit you can repurpose everyday objects around you and turn them into musical instruments or game controllers or anything else you can imagine it's uh, a s- simple idea really uh because the little circuit board that you plug in the makey makey tells the computer that it's a keyboard uh like to type on but you get to make your own keys by connecting objects to it with alligator clips and so for example if you take a banana that's a classic thing to use the make Makey make with and plug that in to the makey makey then when you touch the banana the computer thinks you pressed say the space bar or the w key or the up arrow and you can plug in a whole row of objects anything that's even a little bit electrically conductive will work and then you can make that row of objects into a piano so you can make a piano out of pennies or petunias or puppies or people play-doh or even things that don't start with the letter p Um, and there's an incredible variety of um, materials that people have used it with
1: so what are some of the other things people have created but don't say tomatoes now
0: (laughs) (laughs) people love uh, making um, wacky new kinds of game controllers with makey makey because it frees you from the existing kind of paradigms of something you can you can make something that you hold in your hand like an existing game controller and that's a really fun project make your own shaped game game controller out of cardboard and then put say aluminum foil on it and then you you can lay out the buttons however you want but you could also make it out of chairs or out of an entire table or make a game controller the size of an entire wall or a floor or even a whole auditorium full of people people can be a game controller Um, another area that people love um, to use Makey Makey for is is new kinds of musical instruments, um, musical instruments that you wear on your body or that um, you can play by um, running back and forth across a room or that you can play by squirting water. Um, and one of the really exciting things that, that has happened is that so lots of um, kids and families and school groups and other kind of creative groups are using Makey Makey to make stuff. And that's really wonderful And there's also another group, which is professional musicians are also using Makey Makey, and they tend to make really beautiful videos. And those are inspiring to everybody else and kind of like raise the the level of possibilities for everybody. So a couple of those that I've seen, um, well, recently there's a, a musician named Sean Wasabi. He's a young electronic musician, and he does these crazy things that I've never seen before. One of them is he made music at a fast food restaurant using the soda dispenser. And so each flavor of soda, he puts his cup underneath it and it plays a different synthesizer note. And he plays a whole melody where he's like making a crazy soda flavor out of root beer and Coke and orange soda or whatever. Um, He also plays music on a ceiling fan and using like the gas pedal and brake pedal of a car. and It's amazing.
1: Yeah, and of course, we'll have all these links in the show notes. So just visit kidslab.dev.
0: Just to mention one other area that I love to see is people doing accessibility projects with Makey Makey, so creating new kinds of interfaces for music and games and other things for people with with disabilities. For example, limited um, motor control or motor movement. You can make a custom interface just for that one person so that they can play that one game they want to play, Um, like a car racing controller mounted on the um, arm of a wheelchair for a particular kid. That kind of project is really inspiring to me as well.
1: All right, so let's now dive into Scratch. Scratch 101, you are one of the key developers. What is it all about? How would you personally describe Scratch?
0: Scratch is an online creative community that's used by kids uh, all over the world to create interactive projects. It's a programming environment where you can create animated stories, interactive art, games, simulations, just an incredible variety of things uh, using code that instead of typing in, you, cr- you construct by snapping together graphical blocks on the screen. So it's easier to get started with. And it also includes uh, a paint editor and a sound editor. So you can really put your yourself and what you care about into your project, um, make images and sounds and music that, that are things that you love. And then it's a community, too, where you can share the project that you make so that other kids can see and interact with, comment on, and remix uh, your project.
1: So how many projects get created each year?
0: Scratch has really grown since uh, we launched the very first version in 2007. um, And the the community has just continued to grow by leaps and bounds. And so there are millions of kids all over the world and uh, millions of, of projects that kids have created and shared on the site. There are now almost 50 million projects shared by kids on the Scratch community.
1: Wow, so that's definitely a lot. Would you recommend Scratch for a specific age group?
0: Yeah, the sweet spot for the Scratch community is, uh, well, in the US, we refer to it as middle school age, but that's basically like, I don't know, roughly eight to 12 year old kids. Um, but, But kids younger than that definitely can get started with it. And then we have a lot of activity of kids that are, are older as well who continue with it. And also, um, increasingly, there are introductory computer science courses in high school and college. So for, yeah, for older people that um, start with their, their first assignments using Scratch as a way to just get interested in learning how to make things using code.
1: So then there's also Scratch Junior. So what is the big difference to the normal version? Scratch Junior
0: is is awesome. It is way simpler. It's designed for um, kids aged five to seven. And um, it works only on tablets, so it's a touch interface. And it's got um, almost no words in it. So you can use it without being able to read. Um, So the graphical blocks that you use to program, instead of having text on them like they do in Scratch, in Scratch Junior, they just have icons. And you can use it to make um, beautiful, interactive um, stories and and animations. Um, And kids really can express themselves playfully with it. It does not have the same kind of online community because the kids are so young, but uh, a lot of education groups and classrooms around the world are using Scratch
1: Junior. So do you have an idea who's mainly using Scratch? Is it code clubs and mostly parents telling their kids about Scratch? Or is Scratch really used at schools and it's mostly introduced by teachers, for example, to the kids?
0: I think that the situation has evolved over the years, that we initially um, created Scratch in partnership with informal education um, folks, so people working outside of schools in after-school centers and um, museums, um, the computer clubhouse network where kids can come to do creative stuff with technology. Um, But then there's just been this gradual steady rise of schools adopting it, um, especially in the past few years when there's been a very rapid rise of curriculum around coding. We are now working on better ways that the Scratch team can support our partners um, in schools um, and also governments that are developing curricula, um, because that's a really powerful place for us to have an impact as it grows.
1: So does this mean tools like classroom management, for example?
0: The things that we're starting to think about more now than we have in the past are professional development and curriculum development. So um, building up a capacity where we teach people to teach teachers um, and building up um, materials that teachers can use to run their own creative activities in classrooms. One of the challenges that we face is that Scratch is fundamentally a creative medium. It's not a puzzle or a game or a quiz, obviously. And so the desired outcome when you have a group of kids working in Scratch is that they all do or make something different and that they all maybe learn something different from each other. And so it's a different way of thinking about um, how to manage a classroom activity that many educational technologies kind of lead you towards. And so we have this challenge of conveying our philosophy of creative learning along with the tool itself.
1: What are some of the cool new features in Scratch 3? And if I remember correctly, it came out January 2019, right?
0: That's right. At the beginning of 2019, we launched Scratch 3, this totally rewritten version of Scratch. And it was a really exciting moment where we were able to um, both... Make it completely backwards compatible. So all the millions of pre-existing Scratch projects still worked the same as before, but also add some totally new capabilities. So one of the things that we care a lot about is just reaching kids where they are, and that means on the devices and platforms that they use every day. And so Scratch didn't work before on um uh tablets, and so now you can run it in the browser on Android and iOS tablets. Um, But we also more recently have launched a native um, Chrome OS and Android um, app uh, for Scratch. So that's one big change. Another big change is the extensions to Scratch. And I'm particularly excited about that because that's something that I've been heavily involved with, building, uh, designing, and making the the new extensions. Um, And so extension to Scratch adds new blocks to the
1: language. So I guess we should now explore some of the extensions of Scratch. Um, I've seen there are some physical extensions, like you can connect, for example, the Makey Makey or the Microbit, uh, and there's some non-physical ones. So let's maybe start with the non-physical ones, such like uh, the webcam, for example. What can you do with video sensing, for example?
0: So video sensing is really fun. Um, little known fact, that's actually a feature that was in Scratch too. Uh, we moved it into an extension in Scratch 3 because a lot of people didn't know about it, and that gives it more visibility. What it does is it opens up a live feed from the camera on the stage of Scratch. So all of your um, sprites, the animated characters that you create, now are coexisting with the live feed from the camera, and each of the sprites on the stage can detect motion in the camera feed. So basically, you can make you know a row of balloons, and each of them has code that just says, when I sense motion, pop. And then you can wave your hand and make a whole uh, row of balloons pop one at a time. Um, it's a way to interact with your scratch project, not just with the mouse and keyboard, but potentially with your whole body or even with a whole, whole group of, of
1: folks jumping around. So I really like that because this way you are kind of extending the scratch project outside of the screen. So you now you, you, you have to move in front of the screen to, to make it interact and do something. I really like that. It's very cool. It's fun, yeah. Let's now discuss some of the physical extensions, such as connecting to Makey Makey or the micro bits. What's cool about these? Um, that's super fun. So it's
0: another way to connect Scratch out to the, to the physical world. Uh, the Makey Makey extension is kind of funny because the Makey Makey, because it acts like a keyboard, it already works with the existing Scratch blocks that detect when keys are pressed. We add an extension just to make it more visible, that you know, beautiful kind of peanut butter and jelly combination of making, making scratch. They work so well together. We wanted to make sure people knew about that. Um, And then it was a chance to add uh, another weird new block that, that detects sequences of keys pressed. So you can make a secret code. So uh, if you're an old school video gamer, you might remember the Konami code where you press up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right to unlock a secret power. And so that block lets kids make that uh, in their own games. They can add secret codes. Um, the micro bit is a wonderful platform made by the BBC. It's a little um, circuit board with a microcontroller and some LEDs and some sensors and buttons. Uh, and there are many ways to program that thing. Um, but we added uh, support for it to scratch so that you can use the micro bit, for example, as a game controller. So you can tilt your micro bit left and right and fly your spaceship on your scratch screen or any of a number of other kind of um playful ways that you can, for example, you could attach to your head and make a musical instrument that you play by bopping your head around or um, press the buttons in order to advance an animation.
1: So Scratch is definitely one of those educational platforms on the internet that is used a lot by kids and kids come back to it very often, right? So they're kind of addicted to Scratch. So I want to ask you, what is important when you design an educational tool or toy or service so that kids actually come back and really use it, not just once, but on a regular basis?
0: I think the secret to making something that kids fall in love with and come back to is making it have a kind of social meaning a kind of social context where it's not just the way a social media site allows you to post something and get likes on it. It's, it's actually deeper than that. For us, it's we cultivate a community on Scratch where kids know that it's safe and that they can trust other kids to be positive and supportive and to feed each other creative energy and ideas. Um, and that's something that's not new, new in the latest version of Scratch. It's really something that we've been developing and growing since the very first version of Scratch in 2007, where it launched with, with the very first community site. And right away, kids started creating and collaborating together. There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. Um, we have a dedicated staff of moderators who work very hard to keep all of the activity Not just like uh, clean and free of obscenities and other kinds of toxic behavior, but really positive and supportive and engaged. And they do a ton of work to help the kids connect with each other and and to create new activities that help them collaborate.
1: Yeah, so just before the show, I checked out some of the projects and I saw some comments where kids mentioned some location and their full name, for example. And then there was another comment by a moderator that pointed out it's unsafe to mention that. And then it got kind of moderated. And I guess this is awesome because the kids this way also learn about online safety, for example. Very nice. Yes,
0: yeah, we work very hard on on, on the safety and positivity of the community.
1: So it looks like there's a huge team behind it. Can you give us some numbers?
0: So the Scratch team as a whole is on the order of 40 people right now. And about a dozen of those people are moderators.
1: So, Eric, you are one of the key developers of the Scratch project and you're deep down in the code. Um, I'm not going to ask you about a detailed roadmap for the future, but is there something you can share about the future of Scratch? Maybe some extensions coming to Scratch or something else?
0: Yeah, well, of course, I don't want to make any promises, but I can tell you about some of the... um, Uh, experiments that we're doing now. Um, So I mentioned that Scratch has this ability to be extended. You can make extensions that add new blocks. Um, And I've done uh, a number of kind of speculative experiments in making extensions for things like, um, well, we've worked as a team on things like speech recognition on um, using machine learning to recognize objects or even to make an extension that you can teach to classify different visual scenes, so it's like a way to engage more deeply with machine learning. Um, we've done experiments with new ways to synthesize sound, um, to simulate physics. There's tons of these experiments. So we're working now on a way to decide which of them, you know, will push forward and try to get out in the world. Another related project is how to help other people make their own extensions for Scratch. Um, Another uh area that I'm working on now with a with a team um here is a project that we're calling Bring Yourself into Scratch. And so that's about in several different ways helping kids express who they are, their identity in their Scratch projects. And we're still in, in the phase of kind of formulating what that will look like, but some of the ideas include um making it easier in our paint editor, the drawing tool, um, to choose colors that represent different skin tones around the world. Um, another area is helping kids when they join the community to express who they are through an avatar on their profile or um, getting to know other kids through what we call the welcoming committee. We have a lot of ideas and there's only so many things that we can actually um, bring out in the world um, because we have a very slow, careful, deliberative deliberative process as we um, design and engineer everything but we care deeply about helping kids express who they are
1: so that's very cool i think i'm really looking forward to that ai extension that might help me to create my own ai model and then use it within scratch sounds very cool to me so eric thank you so much for this interview it was great to have you on the show if there's something new coming out please let me know and at some point maybe also please come again to the kids lab podcast thank you so much thank you so much thanks for having me In this episode, we explored the visual programming language Scratch directly with one of the key people, Eric Rosenbaum from the MIT Media Lab. Now is the right time to head over to kidslab.dev to check out the show notes with all the links. And of course, don't forget to subscribe with one of the subscription buttons. Again, kidslab.dev. That's also the place to go to if you want to leave some feedback. In the next episode, we're talking to Pen Holland and Sarah Weiss. And the project we're mainly discussing is called Peter the Seed Eater. It's an exciting project around biology, math, and computer science.